actor, author, certified life coach, encourager, family man, dynamic inspirational speaker, and so much more. Welcome to my podcast, Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Today, we will continue on our journey of discussing real issues with real people. There's nothing like hearing from people who are actually growing through something or experiencing what you're going through or a reference point for those who you know are going through something as well. Today, we will discuss the topic of HIV. For those who don't know, about 1.1 million people in the U.S. are living with HIV and more than 38,000 new infections happen every year. Oftentimes, many people do not have any symptoms for years, so they may not even know that they have it. HIV stands for Human Immunodeficiency Virus. And this is a virus that breaks down cells in your immune system, normally the ones that help you defend yourself against disease. And so with that being said, I do want to clear up that HIV is not a death sentence. HIV is not AIDS. And you can get it in several ways. I know there's been a lot of rumors. I know there's been um, a certain kind of conversation attached to how HIV is spread, but you can get it from sex. You can get it from needles. You can get it from drugs, piercings, tattoos, um, all kinds of ways. So... A common way that it is normally passed is through having unprotected sex. However, again, I want to educate you and say that is not the only way. So be sure that you're protecting yourself. Be sure that you're getting tested on the regular. Be sure that you know what's going on with your body. Again, HIV is not a death sentence. However, HIV does exist. I'll be the first to tell you I've dated several people who have been diagnosed with HIV. I still to this day remain HIV negative. But HIV, for those who are diagnosed with it and those who are going through it or those who may know someone, does not mean that your life is over. I can't stress that enough. It does not mean that you're not worthy of love. It does not mean that you should check out on your life. Just simply means you have to change up how you're living life and how you play the game of life. So because I've encountered people or HIV positive, but I'm not myself, it will only be right that I bring on someone 
who can discuss the topic with you and their experiences because they are actually living with it. Again, living with it. So with that being said, I would like to bring on a good friend of mine who's been a great friend of mine for many, many years, a man of faith, a man that knows God, a man that I can always depend on and call on, and a man who I know is going to tell their whole truth and nothing but the truth. So I got to put this disclaimer out there. There might be a little bit of profanity, maybe a little bit, because that's how raw he gets. But if you don't hear the truth from someone who's going through it, you will fall into the to the mindset of believing everything that you hear or everything that you read on the Internet. For those who are inquiring where I got some of these statistics from, you can check out Planned Parenthood. Um, And yeah, so let's get this episode started. I know it's not the lightest episode, but it's necessary. Real issues, real people real positivity without any further ado i would like to bring on my good friend here to tell his story brian Brian, are you here with us today? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. All right. So I guess it's it's nothing to it but to get to it. And with that being said, um, let the people know, first of all, a little bit about you. Outside of what I've already said about you from my personal experience and knowing you, I want the people to hear a little bit about who Brian is from you and I know one of the things that you always say that I always laugh about but I love is you need to get you a Brian and so (laughs) with that being said um, why do the people need to hear from Brian today why do the people need to get them a Brian (laughs) I wasn't expecting that but uh, (laughs) um, yeah get you a Brian (laughs) but no um, no for me um, who I am um, I'm a God-fearing man um, a family man, um, a hard worker, someone who learned a lot from life through lessons. And a lot of things that I speak from, I speak from a personal space because God has gave me the ability to go through a lot of things, but also be good after things are over. Like I overcome a lot too. So that's Brian, an overcomer, a lover, um, a fighter (laughs) in so many ways. Someone that depend on God. That's the truth. All right. So, you know, the reason why we have you on this episode today, I wanted to talk about something. And earlier I shared some of the statistics, but Mm -hmm. something that many people may not know about you or, um, you know, you would never be able to just guess it because when you're talking about the topic of of HIV, um, it doesn't really have a specific look or identity and it can affect anyone and it's not just from one form or uh or way as people once believed you know it can be transmitted in several different ways but knowing you personally and just knowing how you've overcome and and the things that 
you've dealt with, one of the things that I never really knew was truly your story. I never asked because I felt like that was a sensitive space. And I know that even you being here today is still kind of outside of your comfort zone (laughs) when it comes to discussing this. And I appreciate you for um, just sharing this time because there are so many people that are going through this or so many people that know nothing about this. And I feel like if anybody that I know is the right person to talk about this, um, who has faith, who just has gone through so much, it is you. So just tell us a little bit about your story. And because of the topic, I don't even really know how to transition. And it's no light way of jumping in and saying any of this or talking about it. But I just want to know your story from like, how did you find out? Like, what made you feel like you had to go get tested? Like, let's just let's start there. Okay. Um, for me. Um, wow. <laughs> Come on, God. <laughs> Let me go back. Um, for me, I was just newly broke up with um, my ex that I was dating for three to four years at that time. And we broke up probably a month before um, I got diagnosed. And I was actually, I was going to the clinic with someone that I was kicking it with. um, And we both got tested for things. And that's when I end up um, finding out that I was HIV positive. Mm. So um, I found out a month afterwards and, um, it was March when I found out. March the twenty second, actually. And when I found out, it was just a, a, just a new experience because I did not get a roadmap or instructions on how to live my life after that. And um, I remember, like, um, like yesterday, I was um, I was at the clinic, a clinic in Baltimore. She tested me and a guy that I was um, newly talking to because we were just getting tested, just doing the proper thing. And then that's when I found out I kind of held it together until I got in the car. And I remember just um, breaking down in my truck. And my friend who was with me, he was like, you okay? You want me to stay off? And I was like, no, I got it. But I just kept crying. And I called my best friend. Um, They were at work that day. And um, I was crying. And I couldn't get the words out my mouth. And my friend knew exactly what I was saying. And they ended up um, actually walking off work, telling their their manager they had to leave for a minute just to talk to me. And I remember my best friend praying over the phone, telling me that you're going to be undetectable in the next couple of months. And this will never be your problem that you have to deal with as going to the hospital. And truth be told, after all these years, I have never went to the hospital for HIV. (laughs) wow so let's 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 go back a little Mm -hmm. bit like while you were waiting because i know there was some time before you officially got your diagnosis so while you were waiting like what were your emotions were you not thinking about it was it something that you thought about a lot because i know even when going to um get tested for anything i'm always like that waiting period for me, even if they say, okay, you'll know in five minutes, that five minutes feels like it's forever. Like I get like crazy because um, it's just like, you don't know, like you feel like, you know, but you don't know. And then it's just a lot of emotion. So I can only imagine because I know when I go to um, get tested for HIV and, and all of those things, it's just like, even then, you know, of course times have changed. So they have quicker ways <laughs> of, 
of confirming and whatnot. But even in those moments, I'm like holding my breath. So I couldn't imagine what you were going through or maybe you handled it just like a, a boss. But what were your emotions during that waiting period? Actually, I was okay because the guy that I was talking to at that time, he went and got tested before me and we already had intercourse and everything mm. came back negative for him. Got it. So I was waiting on my test and when the lady called me back, I'm thinking it's not going to be nothing because the guy who I was just sleeping with don't have nothing. She was like, baby, uh, no, you're positive. And I was like, mm. what do you mean? And she was like, you're HIV positive. But how fast it, um, it went red you probably had HIV long before you even knew, which was true. Mm. So throughout my whole relationship um, that I, three to four years that I was with him, probably two and a half of those years, I was probably HIV positive and didn't know. And you were just living your life like normal. Everything was fine. Like it was like you didn't have any didn't, symptoms of anything. I, any symptoms. I, I have never got sick. Thank you, God. Um, I didn't have any symptoms. I didn't see anything. You know, when I start stressing about the CD4 count and getting my understanding of HIV is when um, certain things went up and down because they try to tell you, you know, when your CD4 count is low, you're more attractable to getting other um, infections or diseases. And, you know, it kind of scares you, but they don't tell you that sometimes your um, CD4 count and your viral load fluctuates built on if you're stressing, if anything. So it's like, honestly, walking out that door um, after knowing that I was positive, it was just, I had to learn how to accept, how to deal with everything through trial and error. So as we sit here, cause you know, it's a life adjustment, but I mean, I know let's, let's continue to educate through this. I shared some facts at the beginning, of course, but um, even from you, some education points, because you're sitting here, you're talking about your, your, your CD4, you're talking about all these kind of things. What does that mean to the people? For those who are not familiar, let's do an education section and, and let's, let's let Brian educate the people on some of the common terms that are common when you are diagnosed that you might not know about when you aren't. Oh, my God. Don't put all that on me. I'm not a I'm not putting it all. Um, I hope I say the right terminology. <laughs> but um, let me see. Um, CD4 count is really basically tells you um, your health. It kind of calculates and say if it's um, over over 200, you're, you're HIV positive and your health is okay. 400, 500, your health is your health is okay, you're in the middle. And if it's farther up, you know, you're doing pretty good. Now your viral load, that really just tests uh, how many HIV um, antibodies that you have in your system. So your viral load mm. lets you know um, if something is going on, if your medication is not working for you, your viral load doesn't go down. To get your viral load to undetectable, it has to be 20 and below. And what is undetectable? Undetectable mm. is basically just um, where you can't um, you can't pass the disease on to someone because of the of the risk of them catching it. Um, your medicine, your medication is working, so it's like you basically cannot detect the HIV antibody. So it puts you less. You put your partner, whoever you having sex with, less at risk of catching HIV. Got it. 
Okay. See, no, that wasn't too hard, was it? I wasn't trying to have you like pull out the whole medical book. <laughs> I just wanted you to just confirm some of the things that you're talking about so that way everybody is is aware of what you're talking about. So going back to your story, um let's talk about family and 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 friends. Like who was the first person that you told? Like how long did you wait to tell anyone outside of your friends oh. who you called it? right away like how did they respond well, I told my best friend um like I told you when I got, went in the car I broke down and I was talking to God I I remember this I remember the exact thing I said to God I said this one hurt right here in my heart I never like honestly I ain't never see my felt my heart break like that mm. but when my brother passed and um another in this situation and I was just crying to God and rocking Cause it's like for me, I talk to God, so I was just crying and telling God. It's, I always been a person that don't like to. I don't want to go through a situation just at ease, but I want to be able to analyze it and get the lessons that I need when I'm going through the situation. Mm -hmm. So um, I just remember talking to God, and I called my best friend, and um, he um, he's now um, he was a flight attendant at that time, and he still. Um, is a flight attendant, but that was, he was newly, um, newly being hired at that job. He was like kind of fresh into that job. And I remember calling him. And like I told you, I started crying. I was already crying. So for me to even utter the words of me being HIV positive, I, I think I just got to saying, oh my God, friend, I am. And I was crying so bad that he knew. And he was the only person that I told. No, he was not the only person I told. He was the first person that I told um, about me being HIV positive. And then the second person that knew about me being HIV positive was my roommate. Um, because um, apparently he lives with me. You get what I'm saying? So me going through everything, right. he saw that. And um, so it was my best friend and my roommate that knew. Um, I did also probably in the course of that two weeks reached out because I was in the ballroom scene at that time. Um, so I had, um, I had family, extended family from the ballroom scene that um, I felt at that time I could have a conversation with and they were my support group and I disclosed my status to them. Um, however, for me, that was probably not a smart move. <laughs> because I wasn't um, aware of who the people, who the people that I was around, I wasn't, I didn't really know them like I thought I did. Right. And so for me, my support group was my best friend. And at that time, my roommate, I didn't tell my family to like two to three years later. Wow. So like for almost three years, you were only going through this with yeah. a few people being able to actually be there with you and yeah, for you it was only a few people um at the time it was just a lot and i it's like at that moment it's like my life stopped i was like probably my early 20s and um at the time i was the hr manager for macy's um i then went from macy's and then i that's when i was getting into the financial field and started managing um suntrust bank of Connecticut and M near DuPont Circle in DC.
And um, it was just a hard transition trying to balance my personal life and also be Brian and who the people wanted me to be because I was also caught up in the image of the ballroom scene at that time. So I always had to show face. <laughs> I always seemed like everything was good. Um, and then, you know, in the, in the community, when you don't have a, a good support system, um, it's just, you kind of have that, oh, I got to take care of myself. And then I was just newly like living in DC probably two years, two, three years. Yeah, probably three years. It's coming on the th third year mark of living in DC. So I really didn't, I was just getting really acclimated to the city and living there. And then to find out that I was HIV positive and for me to even think about going home with my family, it wasn't, it wasn't an option because I already, um, I moved to DC because I got kicked out the house mm -hmm. um, because I was living with my grandmother at that time and my grandfather did not like um, the fact that I was gay. Um, so we got into an wow. argument. I ended up fighting him and my grandmother um, kicked me out. And I remember them putting my clothes on the porch in bags. And I literally, um, I left when I was 19, going on 19. I literally um, went to the same best friend who I called and told I was HIV positive. Um, put me up in a hotel <laughs> and stayed there with me for a couple of nights. Because um, at that time, um, he was actually working at a hotel. So he put me in a hotel and I was just, um, I remember he was like, go to, go in the bathroom and take a bath and talk to God. I don't remember talking to God and asking God, what is my next step? What do I do? Um, and I remember, um, the house, um, the house, the house parent called me and was like, what you doing? You just really crossed my mind, heavy. And I was like, um, nothing. He was like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing. I was like, and then something's like, tell him. And I was like, you want me to tell you the truth? And I told him that I got kicked out and everything else. And he was like, you know what? Come to um, DC, get your ticket and just come to DC. And I literally made that choice to go to DC. I didn't know what was in store. But I went to D.C. at 19, going on 20, and um, got to D.C. on a Friday, chilled for that weekend. Um, he showed me around the city. And then um, that Monday, I literally went to Pentagon City Mall and ended up getting two jobs. And so this was just like another thing to yeah, add to it your was plan. Like, uh -huh. like I was already trying to heal from the abandonment issues with my family and some things from my adolescent years on top of coming to a new city and like meeting my ex probably some months after I moved there to like after two or three years of us dating, I now step out of the relationship, not knowing how to operate in the city because I got so close to being with me and him. And then to like walk out of it and get tested to now be HIV positive and don't have the support system that I once had. So let's talk a little bit more about how HIV, being diagnosed with HIV, changed 
your life because I know you have a normal routine, but then I know you've mentioned previously about medications and those kind of things. So like, what was your new norm? Like what became your new Well, the first life time um, when second. I first started taking medication, they had the cocktail pill, which was three, um, was three pills. It was Travada, then um, two other pills. So that was my regimen the first time. And I've never been a person that liked to take pills. And I remember the first day I was in my kitchen <laughs> and I just started crying. Um, and my friend, our friend came in there, my roommate, and he was like, he just sat there with me while I was on the floor crying because that was like literally my first time taking my HIV medicine. And it was like a reminder to me, it felt like, of not loving myself enough. That's what I felt like at first. Um, mm. And hear me clearly when I said that's what I felt like at first. Um, and the reason that I said it like that is just to go a little bit back. Um, I always dream of facilitating core groups and groups with um, younger men that are HIV positive. That was always a dream of mine. And um, I remember I did it for an organization called Us Helping Us. And that was in D.C. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was um, helping facilitate the core group because, you know, I was working from the bank. And, you know, they felt that I'd be a great role model. However, there was a big disconnect because at that time when I was working at us helping us and all this other stuff, I wasn't positive. I was like working with them when I was mm. probably HR manager at Macy's, possibly. Um, so I was working with them and just kind of facilitating the core groups. And that was before I became positive and everything, probably some months before I came, actually. And it was so a totally disconnect with them because they were asked, they were throwing questions to me like, how do you know that you can live and live a great life without being HIV positive and you've never been positive? Or how do you know the next step that we're supposed to take? And I was like, I remember going back and asking God, God, teach me how to connect with them. So let me, let me, hold on, just give me a second. Cause this is like, I don't know. I'm hearing something here and I just, I, I, I'm hearing you had a passion for something that wasn't necessarily your diagnosis, but you knew that you had a passion for something and you wanted to help mm -hmm. in this area. And here you are helping mm -hmm. and not even knowing that later on you're asking God in this moment like help me educate them not realizing that God was going to use you in another capacity that you didn't even know you were going to be used on yeah that's true wow she did wow wow I just have chills right now because of just here you were being Brian, having a passion for something bigger than you and making moves in that area, being obedient to what it was that was being pressed on you to help, to help, to help. Helping, then being in front of these people who are these kids who are asking you like, how do you know? How can you see? How can you feel? But you don't have. You're lacking, but you're, 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 you're trying to push, but you're lacking. And then here you are, diagnosed 
and educating so much more, but you had to grow through some things in order to fulfill some of the desires of your heart and to really walk in God's plan to effectively lead the youth and others with something that, a diagnosis that takes some people out. You know, some people get diagnosed and then they just completely check out because they feel like life is over, it's, it's done. But here you are still redefining HIV from its original state to what I like to say when I think about you is he is victorious, HIV, he is victorious because you are still pressing on. And even during some of those times that you went through, like going through abandonment, going through being kicked out, going through just coming out, all those kind of things, many people may be listening and not realize how much that takes a toll on a person. And whether we realize it or not, there are still a lot of people that are still going through the same things that you've already been through. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is true. I'm sorry. That just um, as you were talking, I God had me going somewhere. Um, all of that is true. Um, I just wasn't. I didn't know I was already equipped to be able to do what I wanted to do, and literally facilitating core groups and stuff was something that I wanted to do naturally. And um. Mm-hmm. To fast forward a little bit, when I, knowing that I was positive, it allowed me to step into people's lives a little bit different because with coming HIV positive, it's like sometimes you can, you can go right or left. And what I mean by that, you can make a choice if you want to live and do it the right way, take your medications, you know, get a good support group. And, you know, just do right. Or, you know, sometimes you pick another choice that you begin to live a different life. And the blessed thing that I did, um, and I say blessed because I don't think it was a mistake, was I went left. Um, And going left, um, Mm. it's a lot of things that God allowed me to touch. Drugs. I even got into um, escorting. And... um, it was because of, first of all, how I felt about myself internally. And then secondly, it was like I couldn't, um, I really could not even make love or love somebody else because I, it, was a, it was a gap. It was like a real hole there for me to connect to in one session sexually. So for me, it's like HIV, um, it brought on life lessons. And so I began to do drugs. I began to um, escort city to city. And um, through that process of escorting, I had um, back then somebody that was my girlfriend. Um, and we're still good friends to this day. They um, used to escort. And they was like, well, come on the road with me. They was like, I know you're having a moment. But they didn't want me to escort. They wanted me to just drive them around and they were going to pay me. So I'm like, okay, you know, I ain't doing nothing. Um, at that time, I took leave from the job, SunTrust, a mental, um, for FMLA for a minute um, until they let me go because I dreamed it. But um, through that process, I ended up going on the road with her. And then I ended up testing out escorting. 
But in order for me to escort, I had to start doing cocaine because that's the only thing that numbed me in that process. So I started escorting. Um, and the craziest thing is when some of the men used to see me, God used to speak. And what I mean by that, half of them didn't even want to touch me. They just wanted to give me the money because a lot of them used to tell me, it's something about you that God told me not to touch you. So, wow. I literally, um, I remember I used to, um, back back in that day, used to have Backpage um, where you threw up an ad. And, you know, you don't use your picture, you use other people's picture. And I remember this one um, person that hit me up was like, I know this is not you in this picture, but I want you to know that God is going to shift you. And started speaking to me. And it was kind of crazy. So through, at that time, we were escorting through the Florida stage, driving distance. Um, and literally, like, I used to go to the water probably every day and cry and talk to God. Because my, I was so numb. It's like cocaine was a numbing me- mecca too for me. I mean, a numbing mechanism for me. And it was, it was hard because it's like, I didn't, I love me, but I did not cherish me enough to figure out those missing pieces in my life and try to, try to heal. And that's, it's like, that was that whole trip. So from escorting. Um, I went from escorting to um, going back up to D.C. for a little bit. And that was around 2015. And I went to D.C. And then a good friend of mine that lived in St. Louis was like, hey, what do you think about coming to St. Louis and starting over? And and I was like, you know what? No. And, um, and I was like, no, I ain't never thought about it. So, you know, things went kind of pick up for me and... Um, DC, so I couldn't get a job. So, you know, what I relied on was escorting. At that time, I was like, God was like, it's time for you to leave DC. And I was like, well, God, if it's time for me to leave, make sure wherever I go is paid in full. <laughs> this is me talking to God. And I have always said things like this. And um, that same friend called me back, and he wasn't a friend. I'm going to stop lying. As for like a can you call a guy a mistress? <laughs> uh, a pastor and stuff. And um, he wrote books and different things. And um, I used to, he used to fly me state to state to be with him. But he flew me to um, St. Louis, paid for me to come, um, paid for my roommate situation. And I remember coming to St. Louis around, I believe it was Kojic week, weekend, with a big, um, this, with well, the I said festivities where all the Kojic comes together in St. Louis. And um I came then and we were cool, everything was okay, but um him trying to live a double life and his partner <laughs> being in St. Louis and kids, it was just too much for me. I felt that was just disrespectful. That was too much for me. Um but you know I had to make sure that my money was staying flowing. Probably after that first month of me being there, God was like, cut him off. And I was like, what? 
And I literally heard that. God was like, cut him off. And I would give you everything. And I was like, what? Man, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. I don't know what you're going to do with this roommate. This lady don't know me like this. You know, I'm just going off. So I did exactly what, what I heard. I cut the guy off. And um, he was like, well, I'm not going to pay um, this next month and everything else. I was like, that's fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> so I remember talking to God and I told the lady, and she's like, that's okay. Go in front of you. So I was crying, talking to God. And then um, the bank that I, um, that I work for ended up calling me. And they called me and I ended up going to the interview on a Friday. I'll never forget this. Went to interview on a Friday. They hired me on the spot. And I was like, okay. And he was like, you got to get your, your drug test and everything else. Let me tell you how God worked. So I went, <laughs> did the drug test. Harold, when I tell you, I literally failed the drug test. Tell me why the, tell me why the um, area manager looked at it. And I was like, well, you know, I take these type of pills. So that's why it came positive, which was true. Um, however, I never took those pills a day in my life. I have always been a weed smoker. He ended up saying, well, um, he showed the corporate um, and HR the pills. And because I took a picture of it and they were like, OK, um, they let it pass. Did not want to retest me or anything. Um, so I end up working, coming back to work um, that next week on a Thursday. I worked that Thursday and Friday because they, that branch really needed the help. And so I was already familiar with banking. So as far as operations, that's not something that they had to teach me. It was just more of the system. But at that time, um, I remember that next following week working for it, the company was like, well, because you started um, on that pay week where we were closing it, we decided to pay you half of your check. Mind you, I didn't have no money. They gave me half my mm. check. <laughs> So I was able to pay her <laughs> and have money in my pocket. So um, I worked for that job for three months, ended up getting promoted um, in three months to assistant manager. From there, I ended up buying a car and I ended up, um, after I bought the car, the lady that I was roommates with, she ended up, um, something went wrong with the money thing and I wouldn't give her extra money because what I gave her money for um, she didn't use, she didn't utilize it properly, um, properly. So I was like, no. So she was like, you got to get out. I was like, that's fine. So I remember, um, having to pay my taxes and stuff on the car that I got because St. Louis, you got to pay property taxes and everything. So I only had a couple of hundred dollars left mm -hmm. and I was sitting there at the desk and, um, I told one of my clients, I was like, man, I really need you to call the lady about that condo. He was like, dang, that condo is not ready. And I was like, man, I don't care. He's like, we got to fix up a couple of things. I was like, I really need someone to lay my head. I'm about to go to an extended stay. So um, in that moment, he called my landlord, who is now my current landlord. He called her. And she was like, well, come up here and um, let me meet him. So not only that happened um, that same day, um, my security guard, Heard me t um, saying, dang, I don't have enough. He walked over. Mind you, this man is an atheist. <laughs> don't believe in God. <laughs> Nothing. 
walked over, overheard me talking to God and sending God what I need and said, hey, how much money you need to get into your place? Because I know what's going on because I overheard you. I told the officer, his name was Ken, how much money I needed. You know, he went to the ATM and got all of it out. So I had the down deposit and the first month to go. But that wasn't even it or what God was going to do for me. I came and met my landlord on May the 25th. My birthday is May the 26th. I met her on May the 25th. And she looked at me literally and said, baby, go on and move into the place. And don't worry about giving your rent a first month. Do that to um, build your house, to get your house in order and buy what you need. So not only I walked in with money mm. to have, but I also walked in here and didn't have to pay nothing. But that wasn't even it. I woke up on my birthday and God took me back when I prayed to God and I asked him, I said, God, before my birthday, let me have a car and a place to stay that's my own. And I was laying in my living room on an air mattress and God reminded me of that prayer. So I felt like God was actually giving me a gift for my birthday. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I always tell people, because people are like, you're spoiled. I said, I'm spoiled by God, too. I get a lot of my wants and needs. Just asking. But I just seen how, you know, things operated for me. It seems some may went bad, but something else just went the way that it needed to go. So it's like, you know, I was just stepping out on faith with every, with every season of my life. It was just stretching me. So it's safe to say that, because I know, I, I definitely know you're a man of faith. So it was interesting to see how faith played a part in your journey with HIV, your journey period. And it's clear that although you may have been lost, you still held on to your source of faith. Mm -hmm. So even in going left, you still had faith that eventually things will get right. So with that being said, knowing that you went left and you're getting all these blessings, at what point was it where you were like, you know what, I need to get off this well, left see, and make this right? when I moved to St. Louis, what was my decision of getting off? Because that I didn't know anything about gotcha. St. Louis. It was a little small city, and it was for me to regroup where I didn't know anybody. Well, I thought I didn't know anybody. <laughs> but when I got here, um, I kind of knew a couple of people. So I wasn't just by myself in this city. I knew people, but they were associates. You get what I'm saying? Um, however, you know, I feel personally, God allowed me to be who I had to be in all those seasons because I had to also operate meaning spiritually i had to i'm a writer so by being a writer it's like i had to process what was happening in my life from the physical and the spiritual side and be able to understand it and like with that i feel that um certain things were my choices but certain things god wanted me to go through because that's that's a lot of the guy's story 
or people story when they deal with any chronicle, any chronic illness. It's like they they don't love mm-hmm. themselves or they go through not um they go through a lot of insecurities that they never had before. So it's like God just really showed me a lot about seasons of of everybody's life. Because it's like I can now look at people's body language sometimes and how they respond to certain things to even know where they were at because I was once them. So the people that God has allowed me Mm. to speak to, speak in their life, I only am capable to speak from what I've been through. And at an early age, I went through a lot. And some of it was my choice. And some of it was just where God allowed me to go through. Because it built character. It built discipline. And it humbled me. It humbled me to a place that I don't I don't really pass judgment. And I try not to. But I don't really pass judgment because I also look at my skeleton. And I look at things in my closet that I have mm. to heal from. And that's the hardest thing to look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and see some of your life choices, but also to say, God, you know what? In every area of my life, I loved me. And you even didn't even know that you did. So that process of healing from you, you have to figure out how to love that person in every layer of that person individually. That's what HIV did to me. It had to show me all, every part of my life and come full circle, which is about to be uh, 10 years now in a minute for me. And I had to look at all the choices that I made and then look at, okay, Brian, what do you have to offer now the kids that are newly jumping into being HIV positive or even drugs? What, What can you say to them? I had more than enough to say because I was there. And instead of me now Mm. trying to tell you, Mm. oh, I think this is the best option for you. I'm going to tell you what worked for me when I did this. I'm going to tell you what I had to go through physically and spiritually when I did this. I'm going to tell you because you're making this choice to actually escort or or do drugs. I'm going to tell you what comes after that. So it's like now I can tell you the way because I have went the way. I can't show you nothing that I ain't went through. Right. <laughs> that's a whole word in itself right there because you often find, and that's the purpose of this whole thing is to talk to somebody who's been through it. Cause oftentimes you have people who haven't really gone through it, but want to speak and teach so much about it, but really have no clue, no clue. You know, and I totally agree with that. The worst thing for me was um, was that I got diagnosed. But it was worse because I didn't know how to live. I didn't have the formula to know how to live with it. Um, now it's like God has given me the formula. But now I have to know how to put it together so I can give it to people. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to 
pause that because I have something else I'm going to ask that really is going to talk about that. Um, but before we get to that, I know a, a popular topic when it comes to mm-hmm. HIV is dating. <laughs> um, and I've talked to some people who have been positive who do not disclose their diagnosis with their partners um, until they absolutely have to. I have some people who just don't disclose it at all. They take their medication and stuff on a low and they just live their lives. Then I have people who tell you even before you start dating, like I've dealt with people who would tell me straight up, hey, I'm into you, but before you get all invested, I just want to let you know that I'm positive, I'm undetectable, blah, 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 blah. So I know how I feel about it, but I'm curious to see what is your perspective on that? Like, what do you do? Do you disclose that information? Do you hide it? Like, what is that? I know it's different for everybody, for but for you, what does that look like? So, because clearly dating um, is I possible. I was first diagnosed in those couple <laughs> with of years because I went to years of not being able to um, really have a sexual encounter with um, someone. So, um, like, intimately. So it's like, I kind of like, when it came to that place, I mm-hmm. kind of rejected on the sexual things for me not to disclose. Um, now, now where I'm at right. in my life, um, fast forward a couple of years, um, I disclose my status, but I also am disclosing it, anticipating for the person to run away. Because for me, it um, mm. it was just like some people, especially the city that I lived in, St. Louis, it was very taboo to how to deal with a person with HIV. And what's the next step? In D.C., I didn't really have to worry about it. Um, when I disclosed my status and certain things, the guy was disclosed or they were educated on. So it's a little bit different. So I think it depends on where you're at. But for me, I disclose my status. I like to, but I wait to that specific person. Now, um, if you just, you fucking, and this is my opinion, and I don't feel, but if you just fucking a little something and you out of state and shit like that, wrap up a condom so you can protect both of y'all. And you should be goddamn putting a condom anyway because you don't even know the joint. So it's like, I still believe in disclosing yourself. However, I do understand right. when a person is just a fuck too. But I feel like you should have respect to protect them. So here's the thing, because I, I get it. And I guess I understand it both ways too. And my honest story when it comes with HIV, it's always been like a scary thing because you're like, oh, I don't want to catch this. Or how do you do this? Because you're mm-hmm. uneducated. You don't really know. You're ignorant to what it really is um, until you get educated on it. And I'm grateful that, you know, the background I have, I, I dive in and I get educated on things before I even make decisions or whatnot. But I mean, I'm going to say, and I know a lot of people don't do this. I've dated mm-hmm. a few people um, who have been HIV um, positive and I did not run away even when they thought I was going to run away that was one of the things that I would say in the beginning is listen I'm not going to run from you I mean if it's not going to work it's not going to work based on your status it's not going to work based on something else that is just us not being compatible um, and and that's what it was and some of the people that I've dated I mean that's not my current situation 
clearly right now well not clearly but that's not my current situation right now mm-hmm. but in my some of my past situations that's what it's been and no one would know and i don't think i even disclosed that information to any friends or anything like that that's mm-hmm. always been something private because i respect that journey and i know that it takes a lot to even be able to say those things out of your mouth there are some people that are really confident with it but still you relive some of those things and then you get self-conscious because i knew you know with one person i was dating that was it was like it kind of was like a delicate thing for a while, even though I said I was there. Um, it was still more so like, show me, because it's only a matter of time before you still run away. I know what you're saying, but I know what I've been through. And I think in in hindsight, that kind of also affected that relationship in a way because they were always looking for when, when was it yeah, going to be the time I that I just that. run. Nowadays... There's so much that you can do. There's prep. There's all of that. I can honestly say, I mean, I recommend prep. And for those who don't know prep, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very, I mean, you see the commercials, you see all that. It, it's, it definitely but, assists in you know, aiding and you not. With, with um, taking Go prep, ahead. that does not mean that you sleep with everybody positive. I mean, sleep with everybody unprotected. Exactly. Um, with doing prep, exactly. prep is a, just another exactly to help protect the individual that is not positive. However, your partner, if your partner is positive, they also have a responsibility to take their medication so they can still be undetectable. It works hand to hand. So it's like there's, and you exactly. still with prep, you still can use condoms. Now, if you have a partner that you're on greeting, you, you two guys individually have agreed to, okay, hey, I want to have sex with you unprotected. So these are the parameters of it. You know, you're only sleeping with me. And you're taking this prep so we can protect our relationship and I can protect you. Because it's two ways. It's like, I don't believe no one who's positive, And this is something that I went through in my life. No one that's positive wants to give it to somebody that they love. That's why I didn't date for a long time. Because that was something that I feared. To fall in love with somebody and possibly give them HIV. And that stopped me from being able to get into relationships for a long time. I ran away from relationships. So people used to be like, you know, is it me? And I can literally say, no, it's me. And everybody think that's a BS, you know, line. But no, it was literally me. Because I was sub- sub- subconsciously, I was in my mind talking myself out of the relationship, saying, okay, what if I end up falling for this person? What is this? And then they end up getting HIV. I cannot live with that. Da, da, da. It's like I talked myself out of the whole relationship before I even before I even got there. That's that's yeah, <laughs> that's what I got for that. So I guess before I ask you um, my last question, I mean we've gone through well my last probably two questions. Okay, they're gonna probably be merged into one, but um, you know you you have a journey. And I think one of the things that I take away from your journey is the fact that, like I said, you can still overcome and you are worthy of the same things that everybody else deserves and is worthy of. And God's not going to give up on you just because you've given up on yourself. Um, And it's never too late to get back on the right track or to get on the right track. You just have to make the decision. You have to decide when enough is enough and make the decision to make the change and commit to the process, to commit to the roadmap and to the work. And I know one of the things you always said is like the formula you've been talking about earlier is like, 
you know, you didn't have the formula. So before we wrap up this episode, um, I just want to ask you, when referencing the formula, what are some misconceptions that you would like to clear up? What is some advice you would like to give to those who are going through it or may know somebody who is going through a positive diagnosis of HIV? Learn how to love yourself in every season that you go through. Because some of those seasons that you go through um, are going to be, and choices that you make are going to be emotional. Some of those choices you may make are going to be practical. But in every season that you make, love yourself and figure out how to tell yourself that you love yourself in every moment. Because sometimes you don't hear that from people. You don't have what you need or what you, want, what you need to hear. So learn how to give that to yourself through this process when you first are newly diagnosed or going through the transition of being diagnosed. Learn how to give yourself what you need and don't try to get it from outsourced things. Because in that process of HIV, that is the time for you to dig deep and love yourself. Because people ain't gonna know what to say to you. Because you'll be looking at them, are you positive? Do you know what I go through? Do you have my family? So it's like, learn how to love yourself and build a support group that loves you all the way. So when you start pouring back out, it's reciprocated throughout your transition of your love through people and loving yourself. Because if I knew how to love myself, certain choices I would not make. But also I knew that I was looking for someone to give me, to help me. And it's just like I didn't have it. So it's like I had to learn how to pick Brian up. And it was never but me and God through that process. Because nobody had my story at that time. God was writing my story. And giving me the moment to look at my story and now be able to articulate my story not only through pen, but through my communication and for you to feel me. Because every season of my life, I literally can remember the feeling, the reason why I made that choice, the emotional reason why. But it's like through that season, I know you're going to be numb, but love you and give you what you need. Probably each day start a journal and write your journal of what's bothering you and your insecurities. And with that insecurity, you figure out a, a solution of how to love yourself. Hmm. I love that. Um, I love that. And I know somebody needed to definitely hear that. So as I wrap up this episode, I, I just want to say to anybody who's listening to this that your story is not over. Your life is not over. A diagnosis does not determine your destiny. Make the decision now. Love yourself and live again. HIV. He 
is victorious. And when I say he is victorious, God is victorious and he has made you victorious. So with that being said, it you you won't lose. But you have to move. You have to get in the game in order to win. Not saying you won't get knocked down. Not saying it won't get difficult. Not saying you won't have your bad days. But when it's all said and done, your hand will be raised and victory will be yours. Get in the fight. Yeah. Well, Brian, I know this wasn't the easiest and lightest conversation. And I didn't even know where this conversation was going to go. And it's gone so deep on so many different levels. I love you. I appreciate you. I am so glad to know you. And even this glimpse of like, honestly, your story, people are, people have no idea how strong you are and what still have no idea. And this was a lot to take in in itself. Um, But for those who are looking to connect with you now, I know, I don't know, I'm gonna put you on blast right now. I don't know by the time this airs, if this is still going to be the case, but you are single and you are very good looking young man. But um, I'm not saying people slide in the DMs because of that. However, (laughs) if people want to connect with you, want some advice or B-R-I-A-N underscore lovely, L-O-V-E-L-Y on Instagram. Yep. All right. Perfect. And I know you have some exciting things coming. You're a great writer. You, I know you, you have so many things coming. Your story is not over. Your accomplishments are not over. You still have a ways to go. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and all of your successes and also having you back to talk about some of these projects that have found their way into manifestation. So with all of that being said, I appreciate you joining us. Are there any Um, final words you have? Thank you for tuning in. And I pray that you hear not only struggle, but you hear strength and things that we discussed and talked about. And I pray as you listen that God began to do what you need. And I intercede on y'all behalf. That's all. Beautifully said. So again, his IG is Brian underscore lovely. That's his only platform right now, but he has a major platform coming. When you have a vision before the manifestation really takes place, when you have a vision before a diagnosis is placed on your life, when you have a destiny that you can see before you even start walking in it, and it's full capacity, you are doing God's work. Allow him to use you and carry you. And Brian, you continue to allow him to be your source and your rock because it's through that strength that you've been able to continuously overcome. I'm praying nothing but blessings your way. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your exposure. Thank you for being the light, not at the end of the tunnel, Thank you. but through the tunnel. All right, you too. Be blessed. So I asked Brian, what was one song that helped get him through? So I'm gonna play a snippet for you. It's called So In Love by Marika Chisholm. And again, this is just a snippet. Here we go. I'm 
Just as it inspired Brian, it will inspire you. Be blessed. Just because God, we make a decision to worship you. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to another episode of Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith with our focus on HIV. This is just one person's experience. There are more of you who have experiences. Don't be afraid to live in your truth. And for those who are listening, please remember to protect yourself. Take all the safety precautions that you can. Just because someone has HIV, I've said it several times, does not mean it's the end of the road. It just means that you need to be more educated. So do your research. For those who are negative, look into prep, look into those things that you need to be able to move forward. But know that there is life still left to be lived. Get educated, be aware. And I would like to say, be compassionate. You never know people's story, so don't assume. Have a heart. Love you all. Thank you for listening. And just remember, protect what you respect. It's a necessity in living life. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Get Your Positivity with Harold Keith. Listen, stay encouraged through the week check out my website, www.itsheraldkeith.com. Also, follow me on Instagram, at It's Harold Keith. And if you have Facebook, you can follow me there too. Guess what it is? Yup, at It's Harold Keith. And while you're showing so much love, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Looking forward to keeping you encouraged. And I will definitely be seeing you next week. Remember, real life, real issues, real experiences, real possibilities with real people. And not to mention a real you. Until next week, remember, get your positivity.
All right, that's a wrap, folks. Ha, 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 ha.